Hi, I'm Andrew Howe. I'm Charity Mead. And this is Elias. I'm <laughs> And he's an astronaut now. Um, we've been spending a lot of time at Bartram's Garden and in the parks around, so I know we've run into a few of you, but we really miss you all. And we hope you're doing well. Good morning, Mosaic. Hi, I'm Pastor Angel Halstead. I'm the senior pastor of Mosaic Community Church. Good morning, Mosaic. Hi, my name is Magda Chacon, and I'd like to share a little bit about who we, the members and friends of Mosaic Community Church, are. We're a beautiful tapestry of race, gender, and orientation from every walk of life. We dare to come together as a church because we're inspired by our common vision. We think Philadelphia is a great city, and we believe a church that embraces and embodies difference is a truer reflection of the kingdom of God. So we intentionally choose to worship and to serve God as a mixed community working together in unity to help our great city and our wonderful world be even better than they are now. We're so glad you decided to join us in worship today. Please know that you are a part of the beautiful mosaic of God's people worshiping together in Philadelphia and all over the globe. Jesus is at the center of our church community. Our desire is to be a community that reflects his care, concern, and encouragement for others as we seek to live spiritually connected, purpose-filled, and satisfying lives. Welcome to Mosaic Community Church.
believe in God in general is because I do get a sense that there is something greater than us, something that helps direct the way that we form relationships, because I think human relationships are pretty unique um, in this world. And when I read the Bible, the way that we talk about God really goes well with kind of my suspicion that there is something out there. And so then it's kind of confirming like, yes, there is something out there and it's God and he wants to get to know me. Um, he or she wants to get to know me. And then with Jesus, we have kind of the part where there is this connection with someone and that someone is also God. And just having that connection is really meaningful to me and helps me understand my relationship with myself and my relationship with other people. Mm -hmm. And I go to church so that I can hang out with people who think that way too. And I was introduced to Jesus before I remember anything else. And so I've known Jesus my whole life and it's um, through the lessons that um, I've read in the Bible and that I've learned in Sunday school and from other Christians that I've formed a lot of my thinking and beliefs, not just as it relates to religion, but just how we interact with people, how I like love myself, just how I interact with the planet. So I call myself a Christian because it's just as if I were introducing myself with my last name. It's part of my identity, who I am, my history. Um, and so I also love going to church because I love hanging out with people who know that. It's kind of like when I go home and visit my family and we have all these inside jokes and all these stories. That's how I feel whenever I go to church. We connect in a way that um, I can't connect with other people. So. so I hope you've enjoyed service so far. Um, let's just jump into part two of our sermon from last week. Systems are supposed to serve us, right? I pose this as a question because all too often it feels as if we're serving the system instead of them serving us. We speak of the need to serve something greater than ourselves. And yes, that can be a driving and healing force for people. Yet, the critical thinking and commitment needed to serve the common good is all too often morphed. Twisting into a shape no longer recognized as a system driving toward the common good, but instead, driving toward a different reality. What do I mean by that? It's no longer a question of how we structure things. So there is balance between all our systems for the ultimate goal of the common good. As we seek to reflect God's interpenetrating unity within creation. 
No. The common good is about healing and unifying people and creation. Now Romans 8, 19 through 20 speaks of all creation awaits in eager anticipation for the children of God to be revealed. For all creation was subject to frustration and futility because of the separation or the fall. When we the people are healed and delivered from our foolish notions that some are better than others or that only some were created in God's image and the rest of humanity was created to tempt and test the elite. So we put them down, those who were created just to tempt and test us. We put them down with violent force because we don't really think of them as human, as the predestined. Or we fail to recognize that all humanity is elite, special, unique. For God would have all humanity be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. We are acting as people still captured in a mindset of the fall or the separation. And we fail to access the mind of Christ given to us via the Spirit because we have not realized that we have, we really do have the Spirit. God really does live within us. We carry the Spirit of the living God around like a passenger in a transport vehicle, thus continuing the practices of separation. We have been given the gift of being part of Christ his body. We need for one another, for our systems to work, we need to support the whole of his body. Our systems work for the common good, or at least that's what they were supposed to work toward. But instead, too many of the systems have been twisted so that the driving force of working for the common good has been replaced, for the driving force released in the fall, and that being that which separates us. And that which makes me feel good because there are those who are less than me, that are othered, and that I become the special one, and there's no room for anyone else. These forces of separation propel us to create and maintain hierarchies, hierarchies of gender, of race, of orientation, of education, of employment, of value, and even more based on false constructs that deny and stand in opposition, that deny God and stand in opposition to who God is. God created from or based upon who God is. God is triune. God is interpenetrating unity. God did not and does not act in contradiction to God's self. I believe there's something inside of many of us that goes, yeah, yeah, pastor. That sounds right. That resonates within me. That's truth. So this question, systems are supposed to serve us, right? is an important question because it moves us immediately toward deconstructing the lies so that our systems, our world, can be transformed. 
Do you believe that Jesus has gifted you to be in his body, to help with his work of redeeming the world? If you do, then there's work we have been invited to do. And more so, listen, we've been anointed, we've been gifted by the Spirit of God to do this work. There was this dude, I told you about him I think a little bit last week, uh, named Walter Wink. Again, he was an American theologian, Bible scholar, who taught at Auburn Seminary in New York. He was an activist who worked to correct the imbalances in our system through his writing, his advocacy, through nonviolent resistance. He wrote a bunch of stuff, but he had this trilogy of books entitled Naming the Powers, Unmasking the Powers, Engaging the Powers. Through them, he shared his understanding of what the principalities and powers discussed in scripture were and are, and how humanity, including Jesus, must engage them to transform them for the kingdom's way of living and thriving on the earth. This is what Jesus did. And so he highlighted the life of Jesus and how Jesus approached the powers and principalities and how we must approach them too. Now, Wink's work spoke to me as a black woman called to preach in a world filled with the powerful forces of racism and misogyny and the threat of violence to put me back in my place if I went against these forces. Stumbling upon Wink during my seminary studies was a godsend for me and he became an ally to me as I sought and as I seek to live out my potential See, I came to realize that systems need people to help them remember or maintain their true driving forces. And I'm one of the people called to help them remember by helping us know our place and our relationship to our systems. Now, the gist of Wink's writing in these books is this, and this is my wording, okay? Systems have outer structures they, that's, that's easy to see, and so it makes us think that correcting those outer structures should be easy. Change the structure and change the system, right? But it doesn't work that way. How many times have we changed or tweaked the structure to have the same problem continue or worse one arise? Wink then, Wink went on to explain that systems, and by systems I mean institutions like our judicial system or educational system, political systems, even our systems of belief, that systems have not only an outer structure, but an inner aspect, the driving force behind the system. Wink helped me understand that if we don't address the inner aspect of the system and the outer aspect of the system, our work for transformation will be fruitless. We won't get anywhere. We'll continue to fail in our efforts to transform them. Listen, Mosaic, why is that important? From that, from what I've heard, in my first being a pastor to this church, 
There's a common commitment to making Philly and thus the world even better. And the recognition that civil agreement or civil engagement is something that as a church body, you all recognize we have to engage in. It's something we must do. We can't just talk about it. Uh, I call that talking smack. We can't just talk smack. We've got to be about it, doing the work. Now, my job is to prepare and edify us, you and me, for the work of the ministry, according to Ephesians 4.12 to be of service to the common good, thus participate with Jesus, who's at the center, who's pointing the way for us, to work with Jesus in Jesus completing the redemption of the world. The church in particular is called to address the principalities and the powers, according to Ephesians 3, 10, and 11. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly realms according to God's eternal purpose accomplished in Jesus our Lord. And I would dare say that while there are others who engage the impoverished and wounding structures of our system, the church has the unique call to address the inner aspect of these systems, to reveal the heart or the driving force of our systems currently, and to pull down or cast down everything that works to separate us, that works against the mandate given us as humanity from the beginning to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to protect it and release its potential. So, what is this inner work we're called to do with systems that work to harm people and the rest of God's creation? So that's a terrific question. I'm glad I'm pretending you asked me because I'm going to answer it. First, for the sake of clarity, I need to talk about this. Walter Wink believed that principalities and powers were the systems and structures by which we organize and direct human life. Last week's sermon, we attempted to show I attempted to show that uh, systems are indeed a part of the human story told in the scripture. Many of us have only been taught that principalities and powers are demons or fallen angels, that they themselves are the principalities and the powers. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a risk with you. I'm not saying that you have to believe like me. I don't ever say that. I want you in your time with the Holy Spirit to be convinced of what God says because of your relationship with God. I'm just a person who holds a flashlight and lights the way to some things. So work with me. Give me a listen. I do believe that there are fallen angels. Demons. Yeah, I do. I, do I believe that they are powerful? Yes, I do but in this way. Jesus rose from the grave and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given unto me, right? My little King James Version. So Jesus as human being reestablished human authority on the earth. We follow Jesus and so we want to exercise authority on behalf 
of Jesus or in the way that Jesus wants us to do so. Does that make sense? Okay. But still there are, there is the demonic. While they don't hold authority in the way that Jesus holds authority, they have what they had within the origin story. That serpent representing that evil or those fallen angels. They have the power of influence. Our demonic foes are old, they are ancient. They have been studying humanity for centuries, since our beginnings. Did you guys, uh, did you guys watch The Social Dilemma? That documentary on one of the uh, social media streaming networks? It's about uh, the power of social media to influence our actions, the way we think and the things we do. I mean, and their intent is to influence us to the point of response. So if social media can hold that kind of influence over us, just imagine how this finite group of beings who've been watching us, just imagine how much they manipulate. how much they influence us, leading to action. They work through influence. So the principalities and powers are not just beings, okay? But the systems these beings influence. It's like there's a kingdom and there is a throne, you have a kingdom, and then you have the throne of that kingdom. So different people can occupy the throne, but the kingdom continues, right? So principalities and powers are the systems that have been manipulated and the influence that can be held over them, over those systems. These are the places that the demonic can rest, or evil, or whatever you want to call it, misguided, uh, I don't know. But anything that is contrary, the systems that work to tear us apart are places of rest for evil. You call me crazy, I'm okay with that. Life, my 55 years is a taught me a lot, all right? And Jesus has. So, um, we're usually okay, I think I said this last week, with people saying things like, you know, we joke and say, not today, Satan, or old school, we plead the blood, right? We, we, we maybe have reference to that. I know as an African-American, I have reference to that. Um, um, uh, the enemy is, is, is fighting against us. The devil seeks to kill, to steal, and destroy. We are used to hearing things explained in those words. But how much have we dug into that, you know? So, again, I'm taking a risk with you. And uh, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to jump in the deep end. Uh, and it doesn't feel really comfortable, but I'm going to jump anyway, right? Because this is what we're called to do. Um, 
and recognize that as these things are being explained, that we all need to be very prayerful. Because again, our enemy, our foe, is very old and studied us. And so we do do things like plead the blood and ask the Lord to watch over and protect us so we are not easily influenced. We give our attention to the, to the spirit of the living God as opposed to the spirit of separation. Um, and you see, this is jumping into the deep end of the pool. And we need to jump into the deep end if we want the world to be transformed. It's easy if we see and only address the tangible aspect of our systems. We can feel like we're doing something until, you know, 20 years passes and we look back and realize nothing really changed. To participate in the transformation of the world, we have to go and engage the powers in the ways God has given us to engage the powers. When Jesus was tempted, the devil showed up. Uh, oh, let me start again. When Jesus was tempted, the devil showed Jesus the systems of the world. And the devil told Jesus he would give him power, influence over them. The devil didn't offer Jesus authority over them. You and I, um, and that's according to Luke 4, 1 through 13. Jesus did not settle for only having influence. Jesus has true authority. True authority and influence. Humanity was created with our own will. It's clearly seen in the story of the separation. We have the ability to say no to God's ways. That hasn't changed. What has changed is that all authority rested. What's changed is all authority rests with one human being, Jesus. And that Jesus shares that authority with us as he is able to influence us to live according to truth. Should I say that again? What has changed is that all authority rests now with one human being. Jesus, and that Jesus shares that authority with us as he is able to influence us to live according to truth. He's not making us do anything. He's asking us and inviting us to join him. And Jesus' teaching ministry is filled with God through Christ, revealing and teaching Humanity, truth. Okay. So we were told by Jesus in John 8, 31, to the Jews, or those people who were gathered right there with him at the time, to the Jews that believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And in verse 32, he said, that you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, the people gathered were like, look Jesus, we are descendants of Abraham and we've not been slaves to anyone. 
How can you say that we shall be set free? And Jesus' response is so simple and so clear. Verse 34, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins or everyone who conforms to that which separates is a slave to it. Are you starting to understand why I use the word separation instead of the fall now? It makes it so much clearer, I think, and it helps me understand what the Lord is talking about. We make sin too often an individual thing, but we were created to be a people living in unity. Wrongdoing doesn't just affect the private or the individual, but it can and often does impact all of us, for it penetrates into the ways we think, we all think about the world and how we engage it. When our thinking conforms with and institutionalizes that which separates humanity, our systems twist out of shape and we give place to the devil. We guess what it means to give place. We give place to the devil. We give a place of influence to the devil and become tools for the devil's manipulation. Our systems become tools for manipulation and thus we and thus we make a throne of influence for evil to rest or to sit in those systems. Evil in the form of a demonic spirit can rest in our systems because of influence. And evil in the form of a spirit can rest with individuals or people groups because of influence. We become slaves to that influence. This is what it means to be possessed. Forget about all those spooky movies. You know, it's October, it's the time for spooky movies with people's heads twisting around and stuff like in the Exodus. This is what it means to be possessed. A slave to demonic influence and doing that which separates or harms through systems and attempts to do long-term injury to the souls of humanity. So we started this portion of the sermon with the question, what is the inner aspect of systems, the principalities and powers? What is this inner aspect of systems we're called to address? We are called to make known to the principalities and powers, the rulers, the multifaceted wisdom of God, according to Ephesians 3.10. How do we do that? We must confront the actual driving forces behind the systems with truth. I believe a, a good place to start confronting and engaging powers is with the truth spoken in the Beatitudes found in Matthew's Gospel 5, 3 through 11. Verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Now the Zondervan Study Bible explains this verse this way. When we recognize that we are not spiritually sufficient, that we need the Holy Spirit's life, power, and sustaining grace in order to inherit the kingdom. This moves us away from arrogance and privilege and pride, which strengthens hierarchies and creating elites, which seek to preserve favor. 
for themselves and exercise a, domin a twisted dominion over others. When we recognize that that stuff places us in a place of being spiritually insufficient, then we are the poor and we recognize our need for God. Two or verse four. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. To mourn is to grieve over our human weakness and failure, to meet God's standard for relationship and connection. We join God in grieving disconnected aspects of God's creation. Blessed are those who mourn, for God will comfort us. Verse 5, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. The meek are those who have embraced what it means to be poor in spirit and mourn. As a result, they have humbled themselves before God. They take God as, as leader and guide to truth and desire to live in and engage the world based on God's mandates and directives. Verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Those who hunger and thirst this way hunger for systems that work to correct and maintain correct relationships with God, with self, with others, and with all creation. They are actively engaged with the Spirit, receiving direction on when and how to participate in the healing of the world. They are driven by the desire for right relationships, the desire for righteousness in all they do. Verse 7, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. The merciful are those with an outpouring of empathy resulting in compassion. Compassion is this word hesed, and it implies this notion of I will chase you down to bless you. I will chase you down, knock you over, roll you up into my arms, and bless you. And God has blessed the merciful with that same intensity of compassion, that outpouring of empathy, because we have a high priest, according to Hebrews 4, who understands the very thing we go through. We know that the struggle to shed off conformity to the systems of this world and to extend grace and mercy to others, we know how difficult that is. But we choose to believe God for victory. The merciful take up the cross, the cost of the cross of the gospel, to speak out and to demonstrate, for they know they will be wounded. But in the end, there is triumph and victory. Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. These are those who being delivered, those being delivered from the powerful influence of, of evil in their lives. With the guidance and support of the Holy Spirit, their chains or connections, theirs, yours, mine, our, chains and connections to the evil, the separations, the hierarchies of this world's systems are being broken. 
We are growing in the ability to recognize if the driving forces are for good or if they are for evil. And we respond accordingly, calling ourselves to a higher standard, the standard of love. Verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I love the peacemakers. I love that the children of God are called peacemakers. These are individuals that understand that the peace that they have, that God has granted us, is from Jesus. Peacemakers oper operationalize our peace, knowing that the scriptures, what Jesus tells his disciples, remember this? He said, when you go into a town, if they receive you, leave your peace. And if they don't, knock the dust off your shoes, that in places that receive us, in West Philly, where we've been received, there is a tangible thing in our peace, in our leaving our peace in the places that receive us. And when peace is left, there is opportunity for transformation. It's a real thing. I've done peace studies in my lifetime. Well, I worked in a daycare once and I was just watching that things where people were arguing and fussing. We got a new director and something was creepy about the lady, I'm gonna just be honest, and um, over the whole organization. And things just started getting really tumultuous and it was just like, oh my gracious, I don't know what's happening here. And I was praying about it as I'm looking out and literally the kids are running and flipping and fighting. I'm looking over this place and I'm like, what in my God? And I'm thinking about the, the director of that specific center and I'm like, she needs to take some authority, spiritual authority in this place. And so I said, Lord, I'll take it for now. It's not mine, but I recognize. So I take spiritual authority. She's received me, Lord, and I leave my peace. I leave my peace in this place. And I watched that center turn around. Just kept praying. Got the ladies in. I worked in the infant room. So we're kind of in a protective space. Got the ladies in the infant room to pray with me. Because we were all like, what in the what? And we just prayed. Do some peace studies. Let God show you that this is real. You don't have to take my word for it. Peacemakers call upon our actual human authority. Uh, we call upon through the authority God has given us uh, spiritually and through our engagements in the world. We call upon that peace. We call upon God's presence, which is peace, so that it will help all of us submit to the ways of love and justice and peace and harmony. Peacemakers are those who directly confront the powers. And sometimes they understand that sometimes they may experience harm to their bodies, but not their souls. They don't fear what can harm the body. But the endeavor is so important for the souls 
of other people, for the writing of creation, that it's worth the cross that they carry. Jesus says when we take on these attitudes from the Beatitudes, when we allow them to become a part of our attitudes, our driving force behind our actions and the, correct, and the correctives we apply to our systems, we will encounter conflict. We are the light of the world and must shine so that a new day of unity and growth comes to our world. So we must do what we are called to do. Create and transform the powers so that our systems serve. They serve the common good. We must confront evil and that which dwells in the dark. For truly God says, light shines in darkness. And darkness did not, cannot overcome. How do we confront this kind of evil? How we participate? How do we participate in transforming the world as God has asked of us? We do the inner work of being transformed by renewing our mind to the driving forces sanctioned by God in the Beatitudes and other areas of Scripture. We let this mind be in us, which was in Christ Jesus, who thought equity was God with God was not something to be grasped. But he took on, he, but, he, but, he, but he emptied himself. And he took on the nature of a servant. And though being in the form of a human, Jesus followed those driving forces to make or to usher in the kingdom of God. In this way, when we allow God's driving or sanctioned driving forces to become ours. We die to selfishness, selfishness in this world. And we, again, are becoming new creations. We are living it out, what it means to be a new creation in Christ with transformed minds that allow us now to effectively engage the powers not by force of our own wills, but by speaking and demonstrating, like Jesus, our rejection of what separates. And we endeavor to think and do that which brings together all God's kingdom. That's the simplest answer that I can give you. Who do you? Will you allow to win the battle for influence in your life? or in our collective lives. Here is a guiding question that I, I have that helps me when I face places where I'm not sure, where I might stumble. I have to ask, does the situation, does this decision, does this activity give life, increase unity, or does it deal in death? And by that I mean, does it separate us? Does it separate us? I found value in that question. And some of the, I don't assume, you can't assume that you know the answer. Oh, God's just going to say, pose the question. And with the Holy Spirit, seek the answer. This is our work. 
We are being prepared by God for it. And we, Mosaic, are living our lives with God, listening and moving as the Spirit directs. This requires maturity and experience with having God as our partner and living our individual life and in living our collective life together as a community. And we learn a more accurate definition in this experience. We learn a more accurate definition of power from God's perspective. We're going to talk about power next week, but I just want to share with you. When we do this, when we live according to those driving forces, we are powerful beings. We, we are able to take authority and things move and are transformed. Mountains get out of the way. Because power is not asserting authority over by force of will or by just physical force. Power is making room. We're going to talk about that next week. And uh, I can't wait. So be blessed today in the hearing of these words, pray about them. Listen to the sermon again. Ask Jesus. If I didn't explain it well, the Holy Spirit can explain it much better. And we're going to keep growing, and we're going to keep going, and we're going to be a part of making this city even better. And we're going to be a part of helping our family across the globe make our world better. For God's glory, for the peace of creation, we do these things. Amen. Amen. Let's continue in worship. Thank you. 
morning, Mosaic. Andrew Richardson here. We are looking for some volunteers. Uh, as many of you know, Sunday mornings, these virtual services, um, I actually have been putting together the services and we are looking for some volunteers to help with specifically video editing. I know so many of you reached out about volunteering when we were on Zoom. We still have your information. We're going to reach out, but I wanted to see if there's anyone out there who has some video editing skills. We would love to be able to uh, work with you and thank you so much really appreciate it enjoy today and uh have a great rest of your fall thanks a lot all right so um announcements i am so thrilled to see that people are voting you kind of post in pictures of your little stickers saying i voted in things that is wonderful so again reminder that uh power has presented us with some material to help us so that we understand where we can vote, how we can vote. Um, remember also that if you vote by, by mail, that there are two envelopes. There's the privacy envelope that has to go, your ballot goes in the privacy envelope and your privacy envelope goes into the envelope that has the address on it. Seal it, turn it over and sign the um, affidavit on the back. And then you can drop it directly at a polling uh, center or you can put it in the mail, okay? So be counted, it's very important that we participate. This is how we also participate in transforming our world. So please vote. Um, the other thing, please remember those pictures for Kennedy that she asked, if you had any pictures of, of us doing, you know, apple picking, uh, I don't know, uh, at the, at the uh, fall festival down at Holy Apostle, if you have any pictures of our hayride or us when we're gathered, we're gathered here, any kind of thing that we were doing for Christmas or any holiday or even from Brad and Becca's um, uh, goodbye party. Um, so would you send her some of those pictures and share them with her? Also, would you send her a word of encouragement? She has said nothing to me about needing it, but I can just imagine trying to start a new position um, in times like these, you know? And so I would really appreciate if you guys just said, hey, if you can, you know, volunteer to do something with her, that'd be great. I don't care if you can sing, just tell her I hum real good or something, I don't care. But if you can help and be of service and connect with her, that'd be great. She just, so, but I just wanna encourage her heart. So, because she's wonderful and I'm so glad God sent her to us. So, um, so we still have that $8,000, the $4,000 gift that, that we were given anonymously, and then we received the matching grant from Norberth uh, Presbyterian Church. So we have $8,000 to renovate our multi-purpose room. So um, Beth Johnston and Magda Chacon have agreed to be the leaders of this project. And so and soon you're going to see um, emails and things with requests asking if you guys can volunteer in small, socially distanced groups to help us with that renovation. This is our space. And so it should be touched by our hands in, in doing the work, some of the work in, in, in making this a welcoming space for our community. So I would love if you participate in that. Next, um, I have a prayer request, okay? Um, I'm gonna, I ask you to pray for the gentleman who owns the company that did our sidewalk. I needed to call him and get him to come back out here because there's some things that haven't been done. 
and uh, some things that, you know, I'm noticing some cracks in the cement and I want him to address those. So he came out uh, and, and talked with me. We walked the sidewalk and pointed out everything that needed to be fixed. So I want you all to pray that he will be moved to do right by us, that he will correct the things that need to be corrected, that he will finish the pieces that need to be correct, uh, finished. And I would love it if, you know, I'm asking God this, every time that he moves in the right direction to do right by us, that God would bless him and that this would be a message to him about God's power, God's love, how much God loves us, how much God wants to love him and bless him. You know, when we, when we do things that bring us together. So would you pray for him? His initials are E-N. Uh, so pray for E-N uh, in this way, please. A wonderful thing. Um, and I think that's it right now for announcements. So be blessed. And we'll continue worship. As we close, um, I want us to read just, I want to just read a few words from uh, Howard Thurman's Jesus and the Disinherited. Um, because they, you know, just speak to an important aspect of participating in transforming the world. He says, it is clear that before love can operate, there is the necessity for forgiveness of injury uh, perpetrated against a person or by a group. This is the issue for the disinherited. Once again, the answer is not simple. Perhaps there is no answer that is completely satisfying from the point of view of rational reflection. Can the mouse forgive the cat for eating him? It does seem that Jesus dealt with every act of forgiveness as one who was convinced that there is in every act of injury an element that is irresponsible and irrational. No evil deed and no good deed either was named by him as an expression of the total mind of the doer. Once, when someone addressed him as good master, Jesus quoted, Jesus is quoted as having said, why calleth thou me good? There is none good but God. In Jesus' insistence that we should forgive 70 times seven, there seems to be the assumption that forgiveness is mandatory for three reasons. First, God forgives us again and again for what we do intentionally and unintentionally. Two, no evil deed represents the full intent of the doer. Three, the evildoer does not go unpunished. Life is its own restraint. In the wide sweep of the ebb and flow of moral law, our deeds track us down. The doer and the deed meet. But vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. At the moment of injury or in the slow burning fires of resentment, this may be poor comfort. This is the ultimate ground in which finally a profound, unrevealed, or unrelieved injury is absorbed. When all other means have been exhausted, each in his or her own tongue whispers, there is forgiveness with God. As we seek to participate in the transformation of the world, let our hearts be open to forgiveness. 
forgiveness of ourselves and how we've participated, forgiveness of our siblings, the other world citizens and how they've participated, and seek forgiveness from God and a commitment that we make to God to make things right as best we are able, as best we know, and for God to have mercy on our souls. So, Lord, we look to you and thank you so much for your gift of the Holy Spirit and the direction that you give us in our calling as the church, that through us your wisdom will be made known to rulers and authorities, to the principalities and powers in heavenly realms. Help us, Lord, as we seek to participate, not to go before you, not to lag behind, but to be with you. Holy Spirit, you are our leader and our guide in truth. And so we seek that truth and that we might be made free. And thank you for teaching us, helping us to understand that it is the benediction as we seek to make this world better, that we forgive as we have been forgiven. May you be glorified in your church now and forever. Amen and amen. You all have a great week. Remember, I'd love to hear from you. My email is angel at mosaicphiladelphia.org. Drop me a line. You matter. You are important. God has wonderful plans for your life. I don't care what you did before. It doesn't matter. God is transforming all of us to be like Jesus. And so we can walk this thing out together. So if you need a friend, uh, if you need some prayer, click on the prayer button, write your prayers down. But if you just want to talk, again, angel at mosaicphiladelphia.org. We're here for you. God bless. Have a wonderful Sunday. And we'll see you next week. Be safe.